Well, as we continue this series, Chronicles 12, 32, 1 Chronicles, it says, And the children of Issachar were men that had an understanding of the times to know what Israel should do. And the heads of them were 200 and their brethren and all that were in their command. It's interesting that as we look at what Israel is God told the leadership to have an understanding of what time you live in and know what to do. Why should we really, as the church, why should we really care? And as I finished up last week, the Lord said, I want you to move forward a little bit. I want you to unpack my heart for the church, but I want you to unpack my heart for, for Israel. And so, you know, many people, we were at a, a Friday night, Sabbath dinner, it was wonderful with about maybe like 12 or 15 students and then some other people from Squirrel Hill. And, and to see that at the Tree of Life's memorial for five years after someone had shot right here in Pittsburgh, uh, 11 people. And just listening to the, the heart of people that were in fear and hearing mothers and fathers and talking to senators and different people from APAC. It was just interesting that the, the, the person that lives in Israel in Jerusalem said, I feel much safer in Jerusalem than I do in the United States of America. And I thought, man, how could that be so? And then I started really looking into the will of God and the word of God. And so, as I said to you, the important thing about this is if you want to see God's time clock Keep your eyes on the Middle East. Keep your eyes on what's going on there. Because I think there's something I want to talk to you for a little bit about. And I heard a gentleman mention this. And when he did, he called it replacement theology. Has anyone ever heard of that, by the way? Lift your hand if you have. Replacement theology. And I started thinking about replacement theology would, who wants to be replaced? Do you want to be replaced like when you're playing on the field and the coach pulls you and puts someone else in in your place? Do you want to re be replaced at, at your job and have someone just walk up to you and go, uh, we're done with you. <laughs> we're going to put someone else that's better. Or, uh, you know, it's somebody that's been in your life and now they're gone and they're replaced with somebody else. So that word just simply the way we as Americans understand it, it can be kind of, kind of offensive. What do you mean I've been replaced? We're going to replace you. And how many know in many denominations, they, they replace their pastors often. They don't let God decide his will. They let the board decide their will. So there's many denominations that guys go from two years to three years to four years. They get voted out and they get replaced and they get voted out and they get replaced. And I don't know, but I, I would kind of be offended if, if I got voted out by my board. But I think in that, in, in the first thing they want to know and the first thing you're interested about is, if so, who's my replacement? <laughs> I want to see, and then we start asking this question, is that guy as good as me? The guy they hired instead of me? Uh, what's he like? What are they like? But it's interesting that we take something like God's plan, the way he set it up, and all of a sudden we replace his idea. And people would ask me this question, like, why have we replaced education 
in America. Why we have replaced, and Pastor How, and why are people upset, and why are people mad, why are people ticked, and why are people petitioning at the universities that they hate the Jewish people, and they, 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 they want to wipe them off the planet, and why would a five-year-old say, my goal in life is to kill the Jews, wipe them off the planet, and, and, and run them over with my car, and if, 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 if I do that first, then I want to be an architect. That's the first thing they teach their kids. So in education, how many of the Bible tells us in Romans 10, he tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you hear the word, it produces faith in your heart to believe something. So the Bible tells us it's so important. How are you going to hear without a preacher? And then how are you going to preach without a voice? And how will they hear unless someone is sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that publish the gospel, the good news, people that speak the word of God, every one of us. But how will they hear? So the big issue in Romans 10 is hearing. Hearing faith comes by hearing. This is the word of faith that we preach. He says, if you confess something with your mouth, if you believe something in your heart, for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart man believes unto righteousness and is saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many know that's what that says in Romans 10? So there's no replacement for that. There's no, there, it, Paul said it this way. If someone would preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. There's one way to God, it's through. Jesus. Come on, one way to God, through. Jesus is the only way. He's, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But when we look at this, we start, we start saying faith comes by hearing. This comes by hearing. So I've heard something, Pastor. I've heard that, you know, the, the Jewish people should not be defending themselves. I've heard something. So wait a minute. You're, you're saying that someone shouldn't defend themselves? And so here's what it all comes down to. We have different people groups. We say, well, uh, and, and what we do as Christians, we got to be careful. We try to take sides. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm for Libya. I'm for the Arab world. I'm for Hamas. I'm for Palestine. I'm for, and then, pastor, how dare you get up and speak about Israel, that we stand as a church with Israel? You got to be careful. And this is where people, they're saying, you got to be careful what you say, because there's a lot of people that are, are, are spewing venom and hate. Well, I'll tell you, Jesus' goal was that all men be saved. Every tribe and every kindred and every tongue. But be careful that the universities hasn't indoctrinated the last 25 years little anti-Semitic and anti-Christ issues that cause people to hear things that they believe and they don't even know why they believe it. But man, they'll fight you about it. We got to be careful in this society that people have this. And, and you say, what is the root of that, Pastor? Because it's, a, it's, a, it's not just anti-Semitic and anti-Christ. It's a message from your father, for, from, from, from those who lie. He said, they're of their father, the devil. That's what propaganda is. Something that Jesus said, you need to watch out for in this day. Watch out that you be not deceived. Watch out that you're not deceived. And people are deceived every day. Christians are falling off the wagon every day. They just don't, they get all upset and offended and hurt about something because they lack understanding. So when I looked at Genesis 12, I was asked by some people in this group why they call us a Zionist. Why are you and your wife Zionists? 
said someone that supports Israel and believes that it should be what God called it to be. And I said this, and, and the gentleman sitting across the table said, well, do you get political? I said, no, I get biblical. Do you guys understand that? We don't, we don't st- see, see people get upset now. Election's going to happen. And this is someone's running for this. Someone's running for that. And we got this guy and we got, can I tell you, my faith is not in a speaker of a house or a president. It's in Jesus Christ. Our faith has to not rest in anything but God's power and will to do his will on this planet. So remember, if we get away from the word of God, we get confused and clouded. So here's what he says in the word in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, get thee out of that country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee and I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee. In thee, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many believe that word? Well, wait, as you go through the old covenant, you find out this is spoken many, many times, repeated again and again. I will bless Abraham and through Isaac, I will bless Isaac and then I will bless Jacob and then I will bless his 12 sons. I will bless all the tribes of Israel. I will rename Jacob. I will call him Israel. And, and then God says, this guy named Ishmael is going to have some 12 sons. And this guy uh, named Jacob's going to have 12 sons. And these are going to be the tribes of Israel. And so here, as we said last week, the Bible's about Israel. The Bible was written there in Israel by rabbis, by Jewish people. We have a Jewish Savior that died Jewish, that rose again Jewish, that's coming again as a Jew. Now, if you don't like that and you have any little bit of hate in you, I'm sorry. But when I got born again, that hate had to leave. And God put the love of God in my heart by the Holy Ghost. But here's the big question to the media, to the news, to the people. Why? Why? They, we we want to know why. We can say, well, these people, we can go back and we can break it down like Dr. Hayes can do so well and show you where Philistia was and how the Romans called it. Palestine to make fun of them, to say that they're going to be right next to you. They're your enemies. They're going to be 4,000 years ago. They're still throwing stuff at them, trying to kill them, shooting arrows at them. And it's still the same thing happening today. But what is the root? The root is sin. Sin always brings forth death. When man makes mistakes in his short In his shortcomings, the Bible says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God, in need of a loving Savior, in need of righteousness. But our lives without Christ, our lives not being a new creation, begin to live to the old sin nature. And that old sin nature is full of hate, full of animosity, full of get even, full of works of the law. And you know what? When we look at this, we go... Well, wait, there's a, there's a piece of land that God promised some people. He called them holy, holy people. What's that mean? Set apart. So the Jews were set apart. We call it the holy land. Why? Because that's a set apart land. God said it belongs to the Jews. And now I don't care what the UN says. I don't care what the new senators might say. I don't care what the old senators, whatever side of the aisle they're on. How many know God said it? And it's going to be what God said. They can vote on it. We're going to pull in. We're going to pull out. We're going to help you, Israel. We're not. It doesn't matter. 
God wrote something in his word and he said, my word is forever settled in heaven. I am the God that changes not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And guess what? If he told us he's going to bless them and make them a blessing and in them all the nations shall be blessed. And then he says in Galatians 3.13 that Jesus is going to come. And Christ is going to redeem the Gentiles, us, from the curse of law because he was made a curse for us. Because it says, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, Jesus, so that the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So, so wait, wait, wait. So Jeremiah 30 says this in verse 1. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Write the words which I have spoken to you in a book. For behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah. And the Lord says, I will also bring them back to the land which I gave to their forefathers. How many know when God promises you a land, it's going to happen? And they shall take possession of it. And now in the words of the Lord spoken concerning Israel and Judah, for this is what the Lord says, I have heard a sound of terror of fear, and there is no peace. How many know that's kind of like what it looks like right now? And ask now and see if a male can give birth. Why do I see every man with his hands on his waist and every woman in childbirth? And why has all the faces turned pale? Woe, for that day is great. There is none like it. And it is the time of Jacob's distress, yet he will, save, he will be saved from it. Now, now, let me say this to you. You can go prophetic on all these scriptures in the Old Covenant. You can pull them up like I could pull up 300 of them right now. But why is it that from Haman, they got a, got a plan to kill all the Jews and wipe them out. But yet God called a woman named Esther into the kingdom for such a time as this. And this guy literally has a plan and he connives and he manipulates to get his way. But yet he builds these gallows to kill the Jews and he ends up hanging on them himself. How many know God's in control? It doesn't really matter what men plans, but God is in control. So he needed, though, this is where we miss it sometimes as a church. He needed a woman. He needed a man. He was raising up somebody. And it says about Esther, she was called into the kingdom for such a time as this. So what was the spirit? Well, pastor, it's about an Arab. It's about a non-Arab. It's about Ishmael. It's about Esau. It's about Isaac. How many know it's about two things? It's about light and darkness. It's about God's plan and the devil's plan. How many know? And you have a choice. So from Haman to Herod, Herod, Herod wanted to kill all the babies, didn't he? He wanted to kill Jewish babies, kill all the babies, kill all the babies, get rid of them. Because his concern was, and the concern from the beginning of time, God's rescue plan was to let his own son become flesh and walk on this planet as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. To understand you and be tempted in every way you are, yet without sin. He would be the Lamb of God, a sinless sacrifice, who came and walked 30 years on this planet. And he did it perfect because he was a perfect sacrifice. And then he would, he would be in this flesh. And at 30 years old, he would go into ministry. And for three and a half years, he would teach people about the kingdom. And it's so interesting because when Jesus was born, Herod wanted to wipe all the babies out. How many know there's a spirit in the earth that's the same spirit today? It's Antichrist. 
It wants to do John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief, the enemy comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. How many know if it's life, it's from God. If it's death, it's not from God. If it's terror, if it's fear, if it's animosity and anxiety, it's not from our God. So from Haman to to Herod, then to, to, to Hitler. I was sitting there talking to some Jewish folks and some students that when I walked up to the edge of that thing in Auschwitz and looked over those bake ovens and I saw wooden legs, brushes and combs, old clothing that disintegrated to nothing and you feel this airiness in these bake ovens and you think, could a, could a crazy person kill that many six some million Jews? What's wrong with people? Well, then, then right away in the natural, we want to pull it into ethnicity. Well, a German, Hitler, or a German. How many know it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are? If your heart's not redeemed, you're full of death. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. I know some of the most beautiful Arab people, some of the most beautiful Korean people, some of the most beautiful Russian people, and I even met some incredible Palestinians and some Jordanians. How many know people that are redeemed, they're God's children, and that makes us brothers and sisters? Do you see it? So what is the root of Haman? What is the root of Herod? What is the root of Hitler? What is the root, it's interesting, of Hezbollah? What is the root of this antichrist spirit, this spirit of hatred that loves death and wants to kill, still, and destroy? It's come straight from the devil. So if we're in a battle, if we're in a war, if we're in these last days and things are happening all around us, we have to understand the times in which we live and we have to know what we should be doing. And so one of the areas the church has missed it in, in including myself for over the last 40 years, I was thinking as a kid, man, we got saved, 73, got filled with the Holy Ghost, man, went to revival, Seen the charismatic conference happening, moved to Oklahoma. We're in revival for about 20 years, and God's moving over here, and God's moving over here. And, and as, as we listen to messages, just like people have for 25 years in education systems, they don't, you don't kill somebody. You don't kill somebody by giving them, here, here's some arsenic, here's some poison, why don't you eat it? You, that's not how you kill somebody. You don't kill that, that fox coming in to eat all the chickens. By just throwing poison out, you get a steak and you rub a little poison in it. And then he takes that steak and he gets poison and then he dies. How many know that the enemy's not stupid? What he's done with religion and tradition is he's taken church and he's taken religion and denominationalism and disunity and he's rubbed just a little bit of poison in. So your thinking becomes a little bit off. So if you dial in and you're a pilot and you're going to California and you dial in uh, th- th- this certain place in, in the LAX airport and you leave here and, and you're perfect, your autopilot's on, but you misread your autopilot just a little bit and you get a couple degrees off. By the time you travel 3,000 miles, you land in the ocean because you were just a couple degrees off. And that's why Paul tells us that about the Bereans, they studied the word daily And Stu and the life group studied the word daily to see if it was so. That's why it's so important you're in a life group. And and the Bible says in in Jewish that 
in the Hebrew that iron sharpens iron, the countenance of a man sharpens another man. So learning in Hebrew means to grind against, which means that if you grind against, sparks are going to fly. So why do we in America just say this is just the way it is and we don't want to talk about it? We need to discuss the word and we need to have disagreements and speak truths in love. So when we're grinding against, that's the process of learning. But if you're isolated and you're all alone, you get weird. Come on, if you're alone and you're not all in, you get weird. The devil doesn't want you connected with other women and other men that are believers, strong in the faith. So as we hear this over time in education, now we say everything's a harvest of something. Everything's a harvest of a seed. You plant pumpkin seeds, you get pumpkins. You plant tomato seeds, you get tomatoes. You can't plant cantaloupes, you get cantaloupes. You plant antichrist anti-Semitic seeds in education for 25 years. These people are bad. Tell a kid that every day. These people are bad. These people, because their ethnicity, have issues. These people, and then you grow up. You grow up with this demonic thought process in your mind. And so we're getting a manifestation on the college campuses of what we've been teaching for 25 years. A little Marxism, a little secularism, pull God out of this, take God out of education, take God out of entertainment, take God up, and we wonder why we got chaos. And then I'm political because I stand up in the pulpit and say, God said marriage is between a man and a woman. That's biblical. I stand up and say, God is for Israel. People go, whoa, what? wait, wait, even in the church, even in the church, you can't, you can't do that. You know what the big conversation was? Keep, keep quiet. This is what the devil had put a gag order on the church because of a spirit of fear. If you speak up, how many know we're going to keep, speak, speak, keep speaking the truth as long as we're alive? Because people need to hear the truth because it's the truth that sets them free. And you can't replace the truth with fake. Speaking the truth in love. May the body grow up. May everybody find their place and so as we look at this, I go, replacement theology. What's that mean? Let me give it to you, and then we'll jump into this scripture. We'll wind down here. Replacement. The, the church has replaced Israel. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And, and can I tell you, just listen to me real quick. My people perish for lack of knowledge. So what we just kind of believe, we got saved, we got on fire for God, man. We started doing everything in the kingdom. And it was like, well, that's good. God loves the church. God loves the ecclesia. We're the called out ones. Man, we're people of faith. We're people filled with the Holy Ghost. We get healing. We get all these benefits. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your, all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, satisfies your mouth with good things. Psalms 103, so your youth is renewed like the eagles, strong and overcoming. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No error by day, Psalms 91. No error by day or terror by night shall come near your dwelling. We got all this. He'll give his angels charge over thee. Man, we got provision. We got protection. We got healing. God loves the church. He's coming back for his church. His church is powerful. We're set apart. We're the ecclesia. We're the called out ones. Yes, yes, yes. But that doesn't mean that what we've done because of our lack of teaching, we've just thrown Israel over in the pound. Whatever happens to Israel, good luck. Man, and if you got that attitude, you, you go, man, I, I hope things, pastor, I don't, let's just move on and talk about me more. Talk about what I get out of my benefits as a Christian. 
well, wait, wait, wait. The, ch the, the church has been doing that for years, and that's what makes the church soft. Because we need the full counsel of God. So we need to have an understanding of the times, and we need to know what to do. So when God says, stand with this, because it's biblical, how many know? We've had some beautiful people leave our church because they said, did you say that correctly? You won't marry two men? Yes. Yes. Did you say that? You won't marry two women? Yes. Well, pastor, that's political. No, it's godly. The Bible said God created man. Now, people want to argue about identity. They want to argue about you got to let a little kid make a choice. No, 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 no. God called him a man. God called him a woman. Now you're messing with God. How many know there's going to be some issues? But how is it that we finagle from the truth and we throw things, we replace things with whatever we feel? Uh, our personal truth. What's just my truth? Man, watch out. You have kids, people start saying, what's well, just my truth, what I believe. How many know you're in trouble? You start, how many know everything we do here is based on the Word of God? And so we don't get to make up stuff. We get to be biblical. So when replacement theology says that now the church is here, so God doesn't need Israel anymore. And so here we are as, a, as the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ in this hour. It's like, ah, what do you need Israel for? You know, hey, Israel's a nice place. Go visit sometime when the war's over. It's all good. And you can see where Jesus walked at you. Can I tell you, that's not the way this, this book reads. This book reads that every Old Testament prophetic word, which it's the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old revealed. So the Old Testament is the Messiah concealed. The New Testament is the Messiah revealed. So the Old Testament, he was trying to show us who Jesus is. He's going to come. This is who he is. And I'm sitting at a, a dinner the other night, and they start reading out Isaiah 58. And I'm going, that's my scripture. Your light shall break forth like the morning. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm taking the, the, the hummus and the bread, and then I'm hearing another scripture. And, I'm, and then I'm at the wailing wall, and I'm praying with Bob. And we're up there praying, and I'm realizing these guys are doing something different. I was like, who are you praying to? Jehovah God, the one true God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Jesus. So we have this separation that we've just kind of replaced, as people have, they replaced Judeo-Christian values in America. Did you know every hospital that started, started through a church back in the day? Go study it. Did you know, did you know that, that, People were generous and givers that they had so much they could have a hospital that was free. Did you know at the Industrial Revolution, the, 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 the beautiful ideas and witty ideas and inventions that came to America, even in the city, the, the beautiful understanding of steel being made and sent all over the world. How many know when you get the Holy Spirit in your life, everything changes? The eyes of your heart are flooded with light. You begin to see and know like never before. But something happens when we hear wrong doctrine. We start to believe it. So all you need is just that little bit. And so I look over here where God says, Romans 11, verse 11. So what am I saying? And God uses Israel as this olive tree. Am I saying that Israel stumbled so badly that it will never get back up? Remember, this is the apostle Paul. Certainly not, but rather... It was because of their stumble that salvation now extends to the non-Jewish people. In order to make Israel jealous and desire the very things that God has freely given them. 
So if the world is being greatly enriched through their failure, then through their fall, great spiritual wealth is being given to non-Jewish people. Imagine how much more Israel's awakening bring up, bring to us all. Imagine as Israel wakes right now. See, this is part of God's plan. Not, not, not many have talked about it. But then he says in verse 15, listen, for if their temporary rejection release the reconciling power of grace into the world, what will happen when Israel is reinstated and reconciled to God? It will unleash resurrection power throughout the whole earth. Okay, now look, now look, what, it, what, what happens? He came unto his own. If you don't know biblical doctrine, understand John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word was Jesus, that Word, that Word. There's the rhema, there's the logos, and, and there's this, this Word that became flesh that dwelled among us. And it says, he came unto his own. I think it's John 10, 10, 1, 10. John 1, 10, he said, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. As many as received him, they gave him the power to become the sons of God. So what's he telling us? He came to the Jews. The Jews didn't accept him. The Jews were looking for a king. He came as a priest and a prophet. They were looking for a guy coming on a white horse as a ruling king, but he came as a servant that was humble on a donkey. They missed their time of visitation. There's many people today missing their time of visitation because they have these preconceived ideas of what religion says. And that's not who God is. The whole New Testament is that God wants to reveal himself as Abba Daddy, as a father. He wants you to realize he's a good father. He wants you to understand who he is. So this is releasing this reconciliation, this power of grace into the world. But then he says in verse 16, listen, if the roots of the tree are holy and set apart for God, so too will be the branches. However, some of the branches have been pruned away. See, we didn't jump into this. Some of the branches have been pruned away. Now that gets us to John 15 where he says, Jesus, I'm the vine and you are the branch. Wait a minute. So I'm connected to Jesus? I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you will and my Father will do it for you. This is how my Father gets glory that you bear much fruit. Well, you can't bear fruit until you're connected into the tree. He said, I am the vine and you are the branch. Wait a minute. So the same sap that's in the vine is the same sap that's in the branch. The same anointing that's in Jesus is the same anointing that's in you. And it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So now he uses this where he's the vine and we are the branch. And our ultimate goal with our life is to produce this fruit. But listen what he says. If the roots of the tree are holy and set apart for God, so too will be the branches. However, some of the branches have been pruned away. And you who were once nothing more than a wild olive branch. How many know that's what we were? We were, we were just a wild olive branch that God put into the Jewish people, that God grafted into that tree. But look, look what it says here. God has grafted in, inserting you among the remaining branches as a joint partner to share in the wonderful riches of the cultivated olive stem. So don't be so arrogant to believe that you are superior to the natural branches. There's no reason to boast, for the new branches don't support the root, but you owe your life to the root that supports you. 
No, pastor, no, 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 no. We're the church, we're the ecclesia. But wait, can I, can I tell you something? This is a word that's God speaking to me personally. I, I didn't hear it from anybody else. I have a lot of Jewish friends. We were with some of them last night, and they're more open to the gospel than I've ever seen Jewish people in my life. But what is this? This is God's time clock. So if you're watching God's time clock, you're getting excited because he came unto his own, but his own didn't receive him. So he said, by default, we're going to go to the Gentiles. Now the church is established in Acts 2. The church is growing. God said, I came to the Jewish people. They didn't receive me. Now, Paul, I want you to go to the Gentiles. So that's who's writing this scripture. So then he says, so don't be so arrogant. He says at the end of this, but you owe your life to the root that supports you. So in Judaism, God had a plan to reach those people. But you know what stopped them? Unbelief. How, how many know you can say, Pastor, you can go through the whole Old Testament and you can see what happened with the Israelites? But the worst sin was they just they didn't want to believe. How many, how many know Moses called them stiff-necked, hard-hearted, not quick to believe, not quick to receive? And so what happens here is we see that out of Judaism comes Christianity. We call it in America, our nation was founded upon Judeo-Christian values. Well, wait, 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 Pastor. So if we're grafted in, Ephesians 2 says it this way. So don't forget that you were not born of the Jews and the uncircumcision. In other words, the work of man's hands. You had none of the Jewish covenants or laws. You were foreigners to Israel, Israel's incredible heritage. You were without the covenants and prophetic promises of the Messiah and the promise, hope, and without God. Look at verse 13. Yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you've been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united with Christ. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He made the Jew and the non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall, every prejudice that would separate us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Look at verse 15. Ready? What are we dealing with out there today, Pastor? What's the news talking about? Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. Come on, someone shout about that. See, I don't, care. I don't care what you say. Well, Pastor, I got this thing in me. My grandfather said, we don't like these people. Or we don't like these people. Or we don't get along with these people. But, Pastor, people would literally kill people. People would literally, like, want to wipe somebody's family out. Want to kill their children right in front of them. And the stories I'm hearing, it's, it's making people so fearful. The pictures, I'm not looking at the news. I'm getting stuff straight from Israel. Like, and it's inhumane what people would do. And, and you say, well, pastor, is, is that person a, 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 a Muslim? Is he a Christian? Is he a Palestinian? Is he a Jew? I don't know what he is, but when your heart's full of darkness, you're a murderer. When your heart's full of sin, he says, you're of your father, the devil. You don't have the capacity to love. You just have the capacity to hate. So what you hear has the ability to change your life. The thoughts that you hear change your life. 
we got to go, wait a minute. God has a plan for the church. God has a plan for Israel. We are together in the end of this. Now, I'm not telling you, and, and some people want to argue, well, you know, if, if, if Jews do this, are they just automatically in? No, they have to believe on Jesus Christ. So don't, don't get the gospel wrong, but he came for them too. So when we look at what he says here, look what it, listen to what he says. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body at the cross. The legal code stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together in himself. You see it? I I know I want to preach some other stuff too, but you got to see this. Because wrong thinking leads to wrong believing. And wrong believing leads to wrong living. We can't understand the times and know what we should do if we don't understand God's clock, Israel. So he says right here, we were fused together in himself. Two now have become one. And we are restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ through his crucifixion. Hatred died. The Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you and the ones who were distant and to those who are near. That means everybody. I want you to see the heart of God. Can I tell you, heaven's going to be a place where there's so much diversity. Just like church, amen? Every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every color, every skin. And you know what? There's no hatred at all. We love one another. You are a human being. If you have blood in your veins, you were designed by God. How many know he gave you a father, he gave you a mother, and you made it here, and now he has a plan for your life. If we get in his word and we have faith that comes by hearing and we hear God's plan, we win. If we hear another plan, we end up in hatred and we lose. And now we see this all over the world. He said, to those who are distant and near. Let me close right here. Romans eleven nineteen. You might begin to think that some of the branches were pruned off and broken off as just to make room for you. Now, Paul's talking to the Gentiles. Yes, that's true. They were removed because of their unbelief. But remember this. You're only attached by your faith. I want you to see this. This is powerful as we close today. You're only attached by your faith. So don't be presumptuous. Don't stand in awe and reverence. He says, since God didn't spare the natural branches that fell into unbelief, perhaps he won't spare you either. God is more than ready to graft back into the natural branches when they turn from their clinging to their unbelief and embracing faith. For if God grafted you in, even though you were taken from what is by the nature of the wild olive tree, how much more can he reconnect the natural branches, the Jews, by inserting them back into their own cultivated olive tree? You start reading the way Paul wrote this. You go, wait a minute. There's an inheritance for the Jews that we got and they missed. But then at a time, God says, I'm going to provoke them to jealousy. And guess who they're getting jealous of? Someone raise your hand. Not all of us, but someone that God's working in your life. Some that God's healing your body. Some that God gives you joy all the time. That they see Jesus. 
I got a, I got a, I got an appointment Tuesday in Squirrel Hill with, with a phenomenal Jewish friend. And I'll tell you, he's, he's ready to receive Jesus that close. And their eyes are opening. As their eyes are opening, this is exciting because I've ministered to Jews for the last 30 years. And they just, I don't want, don't even, you match Jesus, they're out. Because their eyes have been veiled. But something's happening right now. Something's beginning to happen in the world today. Listen to what he says. For, verse 24, for if God grafted you in, even though you were taken from by nature the wild olive tree, how much more will he reconnect the natural branches by inserting them back into their own cultivated tree. Verse 25, beloved brothers and sisters, I want you to share, I want to share with you the mystery concerning Israel's future. For understanding this mystery will keep you from thinking you already know everything. A partial and temporary hardening of the gospel has come over Israel, which will last until the full number of non-Jews has come into the family. Let me close right here. I hope you can see this. There's a personal hardening toward the gospel that has come over Israel, which will last until the number of non-Jews has come into the family of God. And then God will bring all of Israel's salvation. And prophecy will be fulfilled that says, the coming from Zion will be a savior. And he will turn Jacob away from evil. And this is my covenant promise with them when I forgive their sins. He tells us that these old branches that were broken off, religion, because of unbelief, they were cast into the fire. Then God grafted in an ecclesia, a church. And he said, how did I graft you in? I give you all the promises that were promised to Abraham by faith. Abraham gave his only son. Abraham was willing to kill his only son. Abraham's son rose up supernaturally. He saw it in a picture. But it was prophetic of not Isaac. It was prophetic of Jesus. Because it says, and he saw a long way off the redemptive power. And he rejoiced to see our day and was glad. What day did he see? God grafted into this olive tree that is Israel. And he said, I'm going to put a little graft on this tree. And it's going to be an olive shoot. And it's going to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm like, wait a minute, God. We, the Jews and the Christians, are part of the same team. Wait, wait, wait. So why, why did the guy from Hamas say, we're going we're gonna to wipe Israel off the map because they're the little Satan, and then we're coming to America because they're the big Satan? Wait, wait, wait. It's interesting. How many know it's just one tree, it's one Jesus, it's one way to heaven. It's one way to salvation. There's no other way to the Father but through me, Jesus Christ. And he's telling us now, after this hardening of the Gentiles and the veil over their eyes, when all the gospel gets out to all the non-Jewish people, which I believe I heard someone the other day tell me, I think it was Matt Gephardt and another missionary, he said, our, 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 our word is going to the last tribe of unreached people in the east in the 1040 window. And now God's starting to open the eyes of the Jewish people. This is a prophetic word that the Bible speaks of. Can I tell you, don't mess with Israel, don't mess with the church. God loves them both. We're part of the same team. We're part of the same family. When we're grafted in by faith, can I tell you this today? There's something that happens when you believe what God's word says. That faith comes by hearing. 
this replacement theology is, it's all right, man, that, that God doesn't really care about the Jews. That's a lie. And so when you're taught that, as my case was shown us, you start believing wrong revelation. You start getting a bad eschatology. Can I tell you, Jesus is coming soon. Can I tell you, he loves the church. He loves the Jewish people. And we're both grafted into this one olive tree that God says that thing has the life of God in it. And when the blinders come off some people's eyes, and when the last of the, you need to go tell everybody about Jesus in your family. Because they've heard and heard and heard and heard. And now it's time to receive Christ because at the end of this deal, the Spirit of God is going to fall on Israel. And the blinders are coming off people's eyes and they're coming into the kingdom of God right now. Did you know there's more victory and more churches raising up in Iran now than ever before? Some people say, I don't like, I love it. I have Iranian friends. I love it. God's moving on the Iranian church. God's moving in Libya. I got a great friend I just talked to the other day in Jordan. God's moving in the Jordanian people. God's moving in Korea. God's moving in Russia. Yes, is there some bad there? Yes. Does Israel do some bad, some stuff that's unethical? Yes. Do the Palestinians do some unethical? Do we do unethical? Does our nation? Yes. But how many know we're not looking at the answer in politics? We're looking for the answer in Jesus Christ.